Welcome to Dermatologically Tested, the podcast of the British Association of Dermatologists, aka the BAD. On this podcast, we'll be exploring the world of our skin with a range of dermatological experts, tackling topics from the clinical to the cosmetic. I'm Matt Gass, and with me is my co-host, Nina Goad. Today, our topic is the psychological impact of skin disease. Hi, Nina. How's it going your end? Hi, Matt. Yeah, I'm very well. Although, without wanting to date this podcast for any future listeners, I do have to apologise because we're recording during lockdown and there is a fair bit of background noise in my house. So I'm sorry for that in advance. (laughs) Yeah, the dangers of home recording. But it's going to be an interesting topic today, I think. The psychological impact of skin disease is something that we talk quite a lot about. And it sort of touches on every aspect of dermatology, really. There's very few sort of areas where it's not relevant. But it's going to be really interesting to have a, a bit of a deeper dive into it. Yeah, I agree. I think it's relevant to so many different patient types with different types of diseases, different severity of disease. Um, so it's kind of one for everyone, I hope. I think it's it's good to talk about because... I think it's strange quite how common it is amongst people with dermatological conditions that they may be so focused on their condition or so used to the impact it has on them. They don't necessarily think about the psychological side of it and, and or consider that they could get treatment for the psychological side of things that I think it's just good to raise it with people. And, and I know when we were producing Skin Support, which is our um, website, aim to help people with psychological issues stemming from their skin. A lot of the patients that were involved in producing that website hadn't really given much thought to the psychological side of, of their skin disease, but were very enthusiastic when given the chance to consider it and talk about it and so on. So I do think that side of things is quite interesting. I agree. And I think people probably live with a skin disease and live with the emotional burden that it creates for them without actually almost even knowing sometimes that there is this emotional burden. You just live with it sometimes. And actually, you may not know that there are ways to address it and things that can help with that side of things. So yeah, it should be interesting. I also think that this is one of the subjects that we cover that will be of equal interest to healthcare professionals, because unfortunately, for various reasons, there isn't a huge amount of training um, at various levels And there isn't a huge amount of capacity within the NHS for psychodermatology and, you know, emotional support related to skin disease. So I'd imagine we'll have some listeners from the medical profession for whom it will be a new topic as well. Yeah, I hadn't actually thought of that. Well, I hope it's really useful. The the guest that we have on today, Dr. Tony Beauty, is very much one of the leading experts in the field of psychodermatology. And I'm sure he will have a lot to say. I imagine even given the, the sort of roughly... 40 minute runtime that we typically have on an episode I imagine even he won't be able to cover everything we'd like to because there's just so much of interest yeah I agree but hopefully we'll be able to give a good overview I think perhaps now would be a good time to to introduce Tony properly Dr Tony Bewley is a consultant dermatologist who specializes in psychodermatology hi Tony welcome to Dermatologically Tested hi Matt thanks very much for having me on so first things first, it would be really good to get an overview of exactly what psychodermatology is and what it entails. And perhaps you could touch on the distinction between psychological issues stemming from your skin disease and psychiatric conditions which have a skin aspect. 
because I know that they're two separate things that are dealt with under psychodermatology. Mm. Well, yes, what we know is that the brain and the skin are very closely connected. We know they're closely connected because they grow out of the same developmental sheets in the womb. And the connection to the skin from the brain is direct through the nerves. But also, uh, we know that the brain has hormonal influences over the skin. And we know that the nerves in the skin can also have a profound influence on the whole inflammatory process of the skin. So the skin and the brain are really quite closely linked through the nerves and other systems in the body. Now, psychodermatology then uh, studies the whole link between the brain and the skin and is often really referred to as two sides of the same coin. It's either primary psychiatric disease presenting to dermatologists. So these are patients who, for example, for various reasons, will uh, pick or pull or rub up their skin or pull their hair out in a habitual manner. Um, and there are a range of psychiatric conditions which come to dermatologists. Or the other side of the coin is primary dermatological disease in which there is a lot of psychosocial comorbidities. So patients who have acne or atopic eczema or psoriasis and feel that their body image has been compromised in some way or they feel depressed or low or anxious or both. So would it be fair to summarise that there are two aspects? One is where the primary main problem is a mental health problem, but for whatever reason, it's got symptoms or signs on the skin because perhaps someone who has this psychiatric problem is doing something like skin picking. And then the other side is that the main disease that's being diagnosed is a skin disease but it has caused a psychological or emotional aspect, perhaps like anxiety or low mood or something? Well, kind of. There are other things that come to bear on the whole idea of psychodermatology. For example, some medications can have psychological consequences, um, some medications that are used for psychiatric conditions, and also some con some medications that are used for dermatological disease can also have psychosocial comorbidities. So there, it's slightly more complicated than that. The one thing I would say is that um, the whole relationship between what which came first, was it the psychological issues that came first? In other words, did stress precipitate a skin disease in a particular individual? So uh, if somebody is suffering from a bereavement or a job loss or relationship troubles, does that then cause skin disease in certain individuals, let's say people who have psoriasis? And the answer to that is definitely yes. And then similarly, if you have, let's say, psoriasis or acne or vitiligo or atopic dermatitis, and uh, you find that that is compromising how you're feeling about your body, it's making you feel low, does that then make the skin condition worse? And the answer to that is definitely yes. So the whole which came first between uh, the psychological issue and the skin issue is sometimes not that straightforward. 
And in psychodermatology, we're very clear that we want to treat the skin disease and the psychosocial comorbidities at the same time. So, Tony, that's really interesting. And actually, that's brought to my mind a couple of questions that people might not be aware of. So you alluded there to um, the potential for emotional problems. I think you mentioned a bereavement to potentially trigger or worsen a skin problem. Now, lots of people might not know that. I know that was fairly new to me when I first heard it working in, in dermatology. Can you explain that? So actually having an emotional problem like a bereavement can actually trigger a skin disease? Yeah, that's right. So um, we've known from from research for quite a while now um, that certain stressors like a bereavement or like relationship issues or work issues can uh, definitely elicit um, the start of or the exacerbation of various skin conditions. And we know that that research has been uh, demonstrated for quite a while now. The other side of the coin, the same coin, is um, that if you have a skin condition, that that can make you feel low, depressed, anxious, or both. Tony, I've noticed that you're talking about comorbidities quite a lot. Um, do you think you could just explain exactly what these are in the, in the context of psychodermatology? Yes, co- comorbidities are the um, disease, the problems that people encounter when they have a particular disease. So for example, if you have psoriasis, then one of the comorbidities that we've known about for a long, long time is arthritis, psoriatic arthritis. We know that that can take a a whole range of different formats. And you can have psoriatic arthropathy by itself, and you can have psoriasis with psoriatic arthropathy. But there are other comorbidities as well. For example, with psoriasis, you can have psychosocial comorbidities which means how you feel about your body, how you feel about yourself, what your mood is doing, whether your your mood is normal or whether it is low and you're feeling depressed. That's really helpful to explain. Thanks, Tony. So one thing that I am very interested in is quite how common these psychological issues are within dermatology and whether dermatology patients are particularly susceptible to psychological issues. Mm. It's it's really interesting. So we know that um, psychological comorbidities or psychosocial comorbidities are really, really common um, from uh, living with skin disease. And the skin is often thought of as as being the mirror of the soul, isn't it? It's our external interface with the rest of society. So it's not that surprising that it's such an important trigger for psychosocial comorbidities. We know this from a report from the All-Party Parliamentary Group on Skin from 2013, which showed that if you have a skin disease, 85, 85% of individuals who live with a skin disease have some change on how they're feeling, some, some psychological changes that they live with in addition to their skin disease. Um, people involved in the all-party parliament group on skin and the British Association of Dermatologists believe very strongly that we do need to address this. And it hasn't been well addressed for many, many years now. It's improving, but it remains not very well addressed. For example, I know that very often patients will come to my clinic 
and they'll say that they went along to a healthcare professional. And it's not just primary care. It can be other dermatologists. It can be other specialists. And they're, they're told, well, you know what, it's just your skin and it's only acne or it's only vitiligo. It's not cancer. It's not heart disease. And that's completely disempowering for patients to undermine their experience. We really must not underestimate and undermine the experience of individuals. We also know that it doesn't necessarily affect severity. So if you have a more severe skin disease, in other words, if it affects a larger part of the body, but that somehow means that you will have an even more severe impact on how you're feeling, an even worse depression or even worse anxiety. There is no correlation largely with skin disease extent and psychological disease extent. So some patients have really quite extensive disease on their skin and they cope very well. And some patients have relatively limited disease and actually it really, really matters. And that can be because it's a particular part of the body or it can be any part of the body. Very often patients, for example, with scalp disease will be told by healthcare professionals, well, nobody can see it because it's in your scalp. And that's not the point for the patients. The point for the patient is that they know it's there and it matters for them. And so it's really important for healthcare professionals to try and understand empathy and to understand and see it from the patient's perspective. One thing that we heard in a previous episode on acne was the extent to which bullying and other people's perceptions can really take their toll on people with skin conditions and that it's it's quite a common issue. Would you say that's a fair reflection? We know that a third, one third, so over 33% of patients have been bullied or abused, completely unasked for comments about their skin and about how they appear, how they look. So it's not surprising then that we know that from people who suffer from acne, for example, up to about 20% of them are thinking, I've had enough of this, and I think I might even be thinking about suicidal ideation. Not that they act on the suicidal ideation, but it is a consequence of living with their acne. The other thing I would say as well is that all too often healthcare professionals might say, well, you know, at least it's not on your face because it's on a different part of the body. It's on a part of the body that's under clothes. And yet, as I say, for patients, it doesn't really, we know from research that if you have disease that is relatively hidden, like underneath your clothes, that that matters for the patient just as much as if it's on their face. If you have a skin disease that affects, I don't know, your chest or your back or your, or your feet, at some stage, you are going to have to show that to perhaps other people, a partner or a potential partner, and you have to know that it's there as well. So hidden disease matters just as much as, uh, as obvious seeable disease. Would you say that there are any diseases in particular where you're more likely to find that patients experience um, emotional or psychological issues, or does it tend to be you know, fairly constant across the board? Because I know there are so many skin diseases. I don't know if it's more prevalent with some than with others. Well, I think that any skin disease has uh, a risk of generating psychological unrest, psychological stress, 
what those might be tends to be specific to the disease itself. So, for example, if you have vitiligo, in other words, loss of the pigment in a particular part of the skin, that may have specific consequences that other skin conditions don't. So, for example, with vitiligo, if you happen to be Asian or Afro-Caribbean and you develop loss of that pigmentation, some individuals find that that impacts on their sense of identity. It affects on how they feel about their cultural identity. And that has consequences for how they feel about themselves and their self-esteem and then how they interact with other people. And similarly, if you have atopic dermatitis, for example, which is a very itchy skin condition, the itch from atopic dermatitis is so difficult and difficult to resist and recalcitrant um, that it, it can impact on sleep patterns. So patients who live with atopic dermatitis often find that their sleep is really quite disturbed and that they're living with long-standing sleep deprivation. It's quite interesting because what you describe is actually, to a layperson, quite a tangled web of factors that can combine um, someone's skin health with their mental health and their emotional health. And so I'm guessing for many people, it must be hard to unpick that to even identify that they do have an emotional health problem that might benefit from help. And I would imagine that might be the case, for example, if you've had a skin disease all your life for a large proportion of your life, you may not then recognize that actually it has had an impact on you psychologically, because you might just think that these are inherent personality traits, such as anxiety or depression or low mood. And equally, many people just might assume that it's part and parcel of having a skin disease is feeling pretty rubbish about it. So how do we get people to a point where they can you know, hear that there are interventions. Does Do people tend to get picked up by the doctor? Is it a doctor that might pick up on these things or or is it something that they identify themselves? And how does that tend to come about? Yeah, I think that's right, Nina. I think um, it, it can be complicated and it can be overcomplicated. And I'm very, very keen to make it clear uh, because complexity adds to to the burden, adds to the confusion, adds to the anxiety. Not understanding stuff can make things worse. So if you have a skin disease, it's really common and really okay to have psychological burdens as well. And that the most important thing to do is to talk about that. Now, I think what you're referring to as well there is that there are a couple of issues about that. The first thing is that somehow in our society, it has been deemed that it's not okay to have psychological issues. And I regret that. Um, if you have you know, diabetes or a broken leg, then most people are pretty okay about having physical disease. Not okay about having it, but okay about owning it. And yet, Somehow it's, it's difficult sometimes for people to own that, uh, that there are psychological issues and that there are things that are, are consequent um, upon how we feel and how we behave when, we have, when we're living with a physical disease. It's normal to have times when we feel a bit low and normal to have times when we feel a bit anxious. 
When that impacts on how we're leading our daily lives, it's important to acknowledge that that is a reality. And it's important to acknowledge that it's okay and lots of people feel anxious and or depressed. That's the first thing I'd want to say. Second thing I'd want to say is that some individuals who have lived with a long-standing skin disease and then lived with a long-standing change of how they feel can cope. And one of the coping strategies that we can develop is to shut it out, close off some of the range of emotional responses that we may have. Now, we know that this is true from research that's been done by dermatology colleagues up in Manchester. And a few years ago, they did some research looking at brain changes in patients who have psoriasis. And what they were able to show was that if you have psoriasis for a period of time, that your response to disgust, to your response to images of yuckiness is reduced or even closed off. Is that research showing that it's because they're used to seeing people's disgust aimed at them? Is that where that's coming from? Well, we don't know the full relationship between cause and effect. What the team of Manchester showed was that with patients who have psoriasis compared to those who don't, that if you show images of certain emotional responses, for example, disgust, that the area of the brain that should light up in response to disgust did not light up in the patients who have psoriasis. Whereas if you showed those individuals um, a, an image that showed happiness, then the area of the brain that should light up in response to seeing an image of happiness did light up. So we know that the brain will make changes from having long-standing skin disease and probably from having the long-standing burden that goes with that and then coping with it. And that then leads on to the next question, which would be, okay, well, what happens if you treat the psoriasis? Does that area of the brain reopen itself? And I know that the Manchester team are actively looking at that right now to see what happens to those areas of the brain if you can treat the skin disease or if you can treat the psychological disease. Do the areas of the brain relight up again? And do you find that the patients that you, you talk to about this, are they generally quite receptive to it? Or, or is it a case of sort of building their sort of faith in the ideas bit by bit? I think that most patients are absolutely fine and find it a relief to talk about how they're feeling. If a patient says, I don't want to talk about whatever it might be, then I think it's important to respect that. But you might want to say, well, that's fine. Perhaps we can talk about that another time. Or perhaps you want to think about why you don't particularly want to talk about that. Is it because you don't feel safe? Is it because we haven't established a, a strong enough bond or a strong enough relationship for you to want to share that? So um, I'm very... Uh, I'm very respectful of individuals leading where they want to go with a discussion rather than me as a healthcare professional dictating where a particular line of discussion should go. Um, and 
and most patients really respect that. They want to share in the decision making. They want usually to share precisely what's going on with them. And they do want you to, the, op- the opposite would be a real problem. So, you know, if a patient comes along and they have, I don't know, vitiligo or acne or or any of the skin conditions, hydrogenitis suppurativa, uh, what they don't want to do is to just have discussion about the skin. What they really want is for somebody to say to them, and how are you feeling with this? How's it going? Because all too often that very simple open question is is ignored or not asked. And the reason for, for the reason why healthcare professionals um, can shy away from asking those questions is twofold. First of all, um, they're afraid, they're scared. Healthcare professionals are scared. They think, oh my God, I'm going to open up a right can of worms here, and there's you know this is going to go on forever. And that's not the case. It is really important to ask those questions. And the second fear that healthcare professionals can have is that they don't have the skills to be able to deal with whatever the the individual or the patient then relates to them. And that, again, is not the case. Most healthcare professionals, in fact, all healthcare professionals are human. And being a human, we understand what it's like to feel low, um, happy, upset, all those things that we as humans feel. And if we are feeling out of our depth with a particular situation, then there are places that we can signpost patients or individuals to access for a, for more specialist care. Well, Tony, I'm really glad you, you mentioned that because I know that it is quite difficult sometimes to, to access psychodermatology services. What sort of practical advice can you offer to people who would like to talk to somebody about the impact of their condition and, and how should they go about this? Well, the most important thing for any individual who has a skin disease is don't suffer in silence. Don't allow a healthcare professional to shut off what you're thinking whilst they are dealing with your skin disease. So don't suffer in silence. It doesn't have to be a healthcare professional that you talk to. It can be your partner. It can be family members. It can be friends. But we know from research that talking about how you're feeling, especially related to skin disease, really helps. Second thing I'd say is don't forget to see your GP if you want to. Don't assume that there is nothing there that will be helpful because your GP has access to a wealth of different treatments and help that he or she can access. Same goes for a dermatologist. Speak to your dermatologist. Ask your GP to see a dermatologist. And if necessary, ask your dermatologist to refer you to a psychodermatologist where it tends to be a multidisciplinary team. In other words, dermatologists, psychologists, psychiatrists, nurses, all working together as a team. The third thing I'd say is think about accessing online advice. So the BAD has a great online advice portal, which is called Skin Support, skinsupport.org.uk. And lots of other patient advocacy groups have Uh, help online such as changingfaces.org.uk or the National Eczema Society or the Psoriasis Association will have help online which will signpost or offer direct uh, help to patients who are who are feeling whatever they're feeling whilst they're living with their skin disease 
Fourth thing I'd say is that there are self-activated programs that you can find online, particularly around things like mindfulness. And whilst it's often quite challenging to do this by yourself, some people do find these self-activated online uh, programs to be quite useful. Fifth thing I'd say is remember small steps matter. So it's small steps that lead to big changes. So small steps like getting a bit of exercise or eating better, avoiding alcohol, avoiding other recreational substances, talking about things, making an effort to talk about things, trying to relax, trying to take time for mindfulness or a bit of quiet time. Um, All these small steps can lead to big changes. Thanks, Tony. I think that's really helpful. I I mean, I think it's important to acknowledge that it is difficult sometimes to get a referral, but that it's important as well to advocate for yourself and explain, you know, what the impacts that it's having on your life and whether it's impacting your work, your relationships, your your enjoyment of day-to-day activities. So I think it is really important to get clear in your head what what it is you want to say um, so that you can best explain it and and once you've explained it then you know that gives you the best chance of getting the help you need also the other thing i wanted to say was that um i really liked your your points about the small steps that you can take because i think there are sort of some things that people with skin conditions and people with other issues as well often find that they stop doing things they enjoy and social occasions can be more stressful and i think sort of little steps you can take to try and Game back things that you enjoy in your life can be really positive. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right, that small steps make big differences, make big changes. And, um, and it is very easy to access coping strategies that aren't that helpful. But it is important not to be proscriptive about that and, and you know, and think that, Okay, well, I'm going to revolutionise my life and and become a new Tony Dooley. <laughs> Small changes that make a big difference, and and being patient about that, and being kind. There is a big move at the moment. It's very interesting. There is a big movement about self compassion, about being you know not beating yourself up, not not giving yourself a hard time about the stuff that you think you could do better, but celebrating the stuff that you're doing well, um, even if it's small changes, and then augmenting that, improving on that and and expanding that. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, actually. I think people are often unnecessarily harsh on themselves uh, to an extent that they wouldn't be uh, if they were dealing with somebody else. So I think encouraging people to be kind to themselves is really important. One of the challenges for a lot of people must be social interactions. It's something you don't have control over. I suppose there's lots of things that you can do which you have control over, about how you think about yourself, about uh, actions you take to maybe stop your itching, um, sorry, stop your scratching. But it's very difficult to control what other people do. And so I suppose that must must be a very vital part of the skills that you, you give to people yeah, I think that's right. And I think we none of us have absolute control over our lives, but we have much more control than we sometimes realise. And accessing and giving ourselves greater control over us 
and over over how we interact with the world means that you're more empowered. And that's a choice and a skill that we can all develop. Well, I think that's a nice positive message to end this episode on. Thank you so much, Tony, for coming on and telling us all about the psychological impact of skin disease. It's been really interesting, and I hope that it's it's helpful for people listening, particularly those who perhaps hadn't given much thought to the psychological impact of their skin disease and what help might actually be available to them. Yeah, thank you so much, Tony. I know I've learned a huge amount today, so I really appreciate you coming on and taking the time to speak to us. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for asking me. So that was Dr. Tony Bewley talking to us about psychodermatology and the psychological impact of skin disease. I hope you all found that interesting at home. I know that there was quite a lot of stuff in there that I just didn't know about previously. Um, so I'm really happy to, to have learned quite a lot today. Nina, was there anything you found particularly interesting or, or surprising in that? Yeah, it's all pretty interesting, actually, isn't it? I think one thing that I like that Tony mentioned is the approach that he takes with patients which is not pushing people to talk if they don't want to. Because I think it must be so hard for healthcare professionals. It must be really difficult striking a balance between making sure you do ask how people are feeling and showing that, you know, you welcome talking to them about any emotional issues they may be experiencing. But also recognising that for some people, that's just not what they want out of any sort of consultation with a healthcare professional. And actually what they want is to have their symptoms treated And it must be hard for them to tease out when it's because someone's genuinely just not wanting to talk about their feelings because they don't have anything to talk about or just don't want to in that forum, or when it's because people are just feeling a little bit reluctant to, but might actually benefit from a bit more, you know, a bit more questioning. So yeah, I found that quite interesting. I thought his approach sounded quite sensible. Yeah, I can imagine that's a real challenge, actually. I also think that sometimes probably varies from consultation to consultation, particularly if you're having follow-ups sometimes your mental health may be a priority when it comes to you know balancing your skin health and mental health and obviously you, you in an ideal world that they're, they're as tony said they're sort of treated at the same time treated holistically but there's other times i i imagine where you just want the symptoms managed and you know to get your physical health better and the mental health is less of a priority so i think it is important to balance that but but the main thing i guess is is doctors and other healthcare professionals having the confidence to have that conversation in the first place because I think it's it's potentially more damaging to shy away from that conversation than to you know ask the question and then have a patient you know turn around and say you know to be honest that's not a priority or an issue for me right now yeah absolutely and I mean I think also what came out of that is that while it's important for healthcare professionals to play a role there is also scope for people to look into what they can do themselves at home, you know, because there is often a long wait between consultations. And one of the resources that Tony mentioned is Changing Faces, and they can be found at changingfaces.org.uk. And I know that they've got a wealth of information actually on their website under advice and support. And you can do anything on there, like look up self-help. They have peer group chat I think they've even got information about one-to-one sessions with practitioners and things like that. So, you know, there is stuff out there if you do want to look at resources for yourself. And one of the other websites he mentioned is our own website, skinsupport.org.uk. I have to say, I think that is a work in progress, that website. We do need to do more on there, but there are some good guided meditations and some tools on there that are specifically aimed at people with dermatology 
disease. So again, that might be another one you want to take a look at in your own time. Yeah, I think that's really interesting um, and helpful for people to to know where they can dip their toe in the water is perhaps the right word, because I think for some people, guided meditations and things like that and, and various psychological support resources can be really helpful. For others, it's just getting an idea of what's on offer and you know maybe they would benefit more from a group session or a one-on-one with a with a practitioner but it's a good starting point I think the other thing I found quite interesting was Tony talking about I suppose the physiological brain skin link uh, and he talked about how the brain and the skin are well they develop from the same sheets in the womb um i'm not sure i i completely uh understand the processes yeah that's one for me to google (laughs) exactly but i thought it was really interesting this idea that you know from very early stage in in our development our skin and our brain are quite closely linked and, and then through the nervous system and hormones and so I guess it's easy just to think it's slightly abstract things happening inside your head and that, you know, it's just you get getting upset or depressed about how you look or about your symptoms. But actually, it's a little bit deeper than that. And it's it's some physiological processes. Not that I'm an expert on it at all, but I found that really interesting. Yeah, I think that's true. And he gave a good example, didn't he, about, you know, people suffering a bereavement and it actually triggering a skin disease. So not necessarily even a flare up of an existing skin disease, but, it, you know, something that affects your brain can then cause a whole new skin disease. So, I mean, it does go to show that they are closely linked. That is really interesting. Yeah, I feel like you've uh, just explained that a lot better than than my waffling on about brain sheets and the womb and, and so on. So thanks for that. Um well, I think that's all we've got time for this week, but um, I hope you all enjoyed our, our conversation. Next week, we'll be chatting with Dr. Emma Craythorne about a range of dermatological issues that affect the face, from rosacea to skin cancer. So we hope you can join for that in two weeks' time. And finally, if you have any topics that you'd like us to cover in future episodes of the podcast, or if you'd just like to show us a little bit of love, then leave us a comment on our Instagram or on our Twitter. You can find us at Derm Tested.